If I would have been out of the league my second or third year, I would have been completely broke. Completely broke. And I think at that time, I had acquired almost two, two and a half million dollars. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Wow Life and Business Conference podcast. Today, we have a very special guest in the building, Tony Hills. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. We are super excited just hear about your testimony, your story. And also, I know you're going to drop some gems today <laughs> for everybody who is watching this podcast. And also on February 17th, because yes. you're also a speaker at the WOW Conference, February 17th, 12 to 7 p.m. If you haven't gotten your ticket yet, make sure to click the link below and get the ticket, okay? Because it's going to be a great time. And we know it's going to be even greater time because Mr. Tony Hills is in the building, okay? So, Tony, I think you played... I recognize you. You played football before, didn't you? I did, yeah. I dabbled. <laughs> I Not dabbled. just dabbled. Tell us more about <laughs> your journey and yeah. start us even before football. I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself, the theme this year is Embrace Your Journey. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Um, so my journey is is uh is paved in a space of perseverance and adversity, but I, I wouldn't change it for for the world. So uh I was actually born here in Mesquite. Uh, and then, uh, but I didn't live here that long. I left when I was around four and mm -hmm. I moved to uh, a place called Southwest A-Leaf, Texas. So oh, wow. What? A-Leaf, Houston, y'all stand up. We made it right. We're here. Uh, <laughs> we're on the wild podcast. So we're doing big things. Hey, represent. You know? Yes. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, grew up in a, uh, pretty rough environment. At, at one point it was, uh, one of the top murder capitals. And wow. so having to just navigate your your way through that, mm -hmm. um, you, you pick up a lot of skills, right? And you mm -hmm. learn how to to maneuver and how to talk to people with respect. Right, <laughs> right, right, be, right. It can be the difference <laughs> of you being here or not, right? right. So I learned, uh -huh. I learned how to talk to people at an early age. Mm -hmm. uh, but sports was always my caveat of uh, not mm. falling into the traps that were there, right? And so um, when I was 14, I went to Spain. Uh, for the Junior Olympics, and I actually played basketball there oh, wow. for the whole summer, and uh, that was a beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. Just you know, coming up from that space and, and thinking that okay, this is all that life is, and then leaving the country at an early age and expanding your horizons. Yeah. I think that was the first time that I realized that you're not a product of uh, your environment. You're your product of your choices. Yeah. Right. And so whatever choices you decide to make that dictates your circumstance. Mm. So like I chose to play sports to dive into that, make sure that my grades were up and it took me across the country. That's what I learned at 14. Um, so when I came back with a new perspective, I pretty much gave up basketball because I was, you know, when you grow up in an area that's rough like that, you take on that type of mentality. Yeah. And so football was my outlet to mm. be able to, you know, my coach said that I could hit somebody and not get in trouble for it. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> right. And so let's rock. And mm -hmm. so I found out that I was pretty good. So I uh, I played the tight end position. Okay. I was the uh, number one tight end in the state of Texas and then the number six player in the country. Wow. And then um, so God blessed me in that space. And and I went to the Capitol and there's a, a house clearing recognition that they did for me my senior year. It's called ACR 98. So y'all can look that up. But uh, that was my, my number uh, in high school. Mm -hmm. And so, again, just leveraging this 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 sport thing to teach me about manhood, like you know, mm. how to how to how men talk to one another, uh, you know, understanding that if a coach is yelling and screaming at you, that's actually an endearment because mm. he trusts and he believes in you so much. And there's something that 
you're not doing on a consistent basis that's pulling that frustration out of him because he believes in you. Right, right, right. And I think a lot of times when uh, if if we grew up and we didn't have that manly presence in the house, Mm -hmm. we might take that as disrespect. Right. But my mom always told me, don't look at the messenger, listen to the message. Mm. So once I was able to do that, shifted my perspective. Mm -hmm. And so now that got me to, you know, as we continue this journey to understand how to talk when I'm talking to people in business, because it can can get kind of rough with the language. Right. 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 um, So from there, um, I actually got hurt my senior year. And I, I had uh, developed what was called uh, drop foot. So this is when your 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 ankle naturally goes up and down. You're able to elevate it, but mm-hmm. when you get this perennial nerve damage, you lose the dorsiflex action. So it's kind of like just limp. There's no uh, signal firing to the mm. nerve. Um, so that was a dark time. Uh, but you know, I had a praying mom, and I had faith, and so God brought me through that. Was able to grab a full scholarship uh, from the University of Texas. And here's the thing too, because we were talking a little earlier about adversity. Yeah. Um, so prior to me getting hurt, I had scholarships from every school in the country, right? Once I got Even hurt, Iowa State? Yes. You know, I'm <laughs> Go Cyclones. Sorry, I had to do a shameless plug there. Okay, keep no, going. That's all good. That's all good. Yeah, they recruited me too. Uh, but after I got hurt, they all left. Mm-hmm. So it's, that story is uh, it's paramount as we continue to go through the journey because you start to see that when you're at your highest, mm-hmm. everybody's around. Right. But when you go into that dark space, scatter. They all, they all dis- so I learned that at an early age, right? Mm. So these are lessons that I've, I've been able to pick up before I'm even 21 years old, right? But shout out to Mac Brown. He told me, hey, Tony, we recruited you for the man that you are, not just a player. So there's a scholarship waiting on you, and we believe you'll get back. I took it. And that was the greatest decision I ever made. And so went to the University of Texas and through there, not only did I get my education, but I picked up a national championship, picked mm. up a couple a, a couple Big 12 championships mm. on the football field. And then I, you know, we move on to the NFL. I was drafted in the fourth round by Pittsburgh and then I won a Super Bowl with them. So God's plan is not our plan. And it's a, it's a old His ways problem. are not our ways. That's the one. So um, it says that uh, men plans, but God laughs. <laughs> right. So right. I'm, I'm glad that I went through the journey because it, it got me to that to the point to where we're going to go next into the NFL. Wow. Yeah. That's a whole story. In itself. <laughs> like, I'm just blessed by that testimony yeah. in itself. So we get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know now you um, are the founder of Stat Financial. Yes. Um, which, by the way, we want to dive into that here in a second. Absolutely. But I mean, I know a lot of people who play at such a high level, mm-hmm. um, once they get out of the NFL, it's like, mm-hmm. where do I go? What yeah. do I do next? Uh, I'm actually watching the show Ballers right now. Oh, man. Phenomenal show. <laughs> so it's perfect that we're yeah. like having because <laughs> we're having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you kind of get where I'm going with this. Absolutely. It's like, OK, uh where do I go now? Football has been my entire life. I mean, I've been trained to be basically like a mini gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And it's like, what do I do now that I'm leaving football? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for you to leave football, you know, go into, you know, founding Stat Financial. Yeah. Talk to us about that transition. Yeah, no. So, so funny story. The, the guy that, that uh, is the creative writer for that show is actually a teammate of mine. Rashard Mendenhall. What? Yeah, yeah. Ah, and shout so, out Rashard. Yes, okay. Yeah. Well, shout out because he owed me some royalties. He put one of my stories in that freaking show. <laughs> what? 
We won't. We're not. We're not gonna get that. We're not gonna drop that exclusive. Bygones are bygones. But when I see him, he owe me. But um, no, it, it's so crazy that you talk about that and and all of the statistics as it pertains to athletes. And, and let me dive into that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, to the fact that there's a lot of athletes or there's many athletes that don't know what to do when it comes to transitions. But there are, you know, some of us or many of us that actually do have those transitional plans. And so I think that we definitely want to help those that haven't, but highlight those that do. Um, I think there's a stigma on the NFL when it comes to retirement and retired guys that, you know, we're not capable. And I just don't, I don't buy into that. But to, to answer your question, yes, the transition is very difficult. I think that's why military and athletes and, and even corporate execs, they all pair up, right? Even though they're in different lanes. They run parallel. They all have issues with transitioning, whether it's the corporate exec that's getting ready to transition into retirement or whether it's the military guy that's getting ready to, to transition back into, um, you know, the regular world, so to speak. Right. There's there's a there's a transitional phase to where what do I do next? And a lot of that is that comes from improper planning. Right. Without the vision of people mm-hmm. perish. Right. And so I think that what I've been able to see when it comes to the paradox of that is. I've played a sport and I've been told what to do my entire life. Right. And so now I'm I've made all of this money. Hopefully I've kept it, but at least least I've made all of this money. I have a a plethora of options, but I've never really had to think for myself. Right. I think that's the biggest um, downside of the NFL is. Not showing guys how to think outside of this space, because when you're in, it's you're a football player, right? You're, like you said, a, a mini gladiator, right? Like mm-hmm. see ball, get ball on defense, <laughs> offense. Like, you know, it's a little bit more, it's a little different because schematics and understanding secondaries and coverages and all of these things, but it's still in just that one space. When did you have the time, if you didn't take advantage of it in the off season, to expound on all of the different opportunities that you had? Nobody taught you, right? If, you're, if you look at the age bracket, the majority of the guys that you watch in the NFL are in their uh, early to, to mid 20s. Mm-hmm. There, there's a smaller percentage of guys that are over 30 because it's a young man's game. So mm-hmm. what 21, 22 or 23 year old that's making millions of dollars? Are you going to be able to tell them, hey, you might want to think about your future? I can't even listen. Mm. I'm getting paid. Right. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like you like the, the world knows my name. Mm-hmm. right? So there's a pride thing that's in there as well. Uh, but one of the things that we've tried to do uh, at Stat on on the side outside of the financial space is, you know, I really have a heart for my brothers and I want them to to do well. And so there's a couple of guys that's gotten to the industry that I'm in, uh, and it's been good for them. Um, they, they're they're able to find that creativity and they're able to find that team environment. Mm, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that we're seeing from guys that's transitioning now. Right. Yeah. Wow. No, that's that's really good. So yeah. you are the president and CEO of Stat Financial. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about Stat and. How can somebody get, you know, involved with staff? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so staff financial is actually an acronym of my family. So, uh, all of my, all of my kids. Right. And so, um, but basically what we do is we help, uh, corporate execs fortify their retirement portfolios through guaranteed returns and secure money management. And then additionally, we help small businesses by providing what we call alternative benefit solutions. So Mm -hmm. it creates cost-effective benefits for them to, uh, mitigate net profit loss from employee turnover. So 
All of that fancy elevator pitch speak is we help corporate execs keep their money and we help small businesses go make more money as mm. well as keep their money. Right. And so um, that that industry kind of fell into my lap through mentors. Uh, I was introduced to uh, the insurance industry through one Marshall Falk, who was a Hall of Fame running back. And once he kind of gave me the blueprint, I then took that and created my own um, thing, so to speak. And so now. You know, people go to stat, S-T-A-T-T-F-S dot com. They'll be able to see exactly what it is that we do in that arena. But mm-hmm. um, we're, we're here to help not only these particular individuals in our market, but, you know, we want to help everybody. So we yeah. do educational things. I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not really on the other platforms as much. I'm going to start. A- I see you on LinkedIn, though. Yes. <laughs> if you want a good message on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> Back with Tony. I, I love LinkedIn, man. Like I, I didn't really know about. It. I was on the Instagrams and the the Twitters and all of that. But once I, I feel like, I feel like I got my my legs under me on LinkedIn. And so we're going to transition into YouTube. I'll start doing more, um, you know, speaking engagements and things of that nature, and putting all that out there just to get the message out, so that people can understand that there is ways to create uh, what we coin as financial foundational leverage for you and your family. I know. The biggest thing right now is everybody is into, I want to create generational wealth, right? Generational wealth. I don't think people understand exactly what generational wealth entails. It's, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not dealing with the money, right? So if you look at the two wealthy, two wealthy families back in the early 1800s, right? So you have the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. A lot of times what people don't know is that the Vanderbilts at that time were actually more wealthy than the Rockefellers. But they lost their wealth within three to four generations because they were socialites. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't protect their money. Right. So they had it for a certain amount of generations, but it wasn't sustainable. What John D did was he put things in place and created systems. Right. And then the family followed the system. And that's how we continue to see it rolling today. Mm. So you have to you have to understand the, the the mental economics before we can ever get to the financial economics. Right. Yeah. And I think that. <laughs> That is huge because a lot of uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, it's like, if you come from nothing yeah, (laughs) and then you obtain, you know, a substantial amount of money, it's like, okay, I just, what do I do with it? If I don't know what to do with it, then I'm more prone to losing it, (laughs) you know? Listen. I'll be fully transparent with the, with the audience, man. And and I don't think I've ever discussed this with anybody I've talked to, but my first three years of the league, if I would have not, if I would have been out of the league, my second or third year, I would have been completely broke, completely broke. And I think at that time I had a, a acquired almost two, two and a half million dollars, 20 some years old. Yeah. I'm a, I buy, I buy that cash. I buy that cash. I buy that cash. It wasn't until like somebody sat me down and was like, Hey bro, uh, you, you got about four or 500,000 left. Like you need to chill out. I'm like, Oh, wow. Right. I had an opportunity to meet with some some good people on the financial side, and then I was able to um, have a longer career. So I almost played 10 years. And it was through that time that I got smart and started understanding like budgeting, like investing, yeah. you know, um, 401k plans, tax qualified plans, insurance, fixed index annuities. Like I have stuff that's paying me now on things that I did 15 years ago. Mm. And that's because of the the older guys that were in the locker room that sat me down. And I was so two things. One, you have to have guys that have been there to be able to teach you what to do. 
And then on the younger person side, you have to be willing to be taught. So like we're, we're, we're talking about walking on water and, and, and leveraging the Bible. Well, in the book of Acts, there was a, a man that was traveling from a far country going to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and he was reading the Bible and the, and the angel told the prophet to go speak to him. And as he was reading, he was reading the story on Yeshua. And the, and the, and the guy, the prophet asked him, he said, understanding what thou readest. So the, the, the older teacher is asking mm-hmm. the younger person, do you know what you're reading? Now, at that particular time, that man can have some pride about himself and be like, yeah, no, I don't need no help. Or you can do what he did and said, how can I unless some man come and teach right. me? That's where I was. And because I did that, I, I stepped outside of myself. I humbled myself. I realized I didn't know what I was doing. I had people help me out at an early age that's taking care of my family today. Mm. But you got to be open and willing to be like, hey, man, I just don't get it. I don't know. Right. Right. It's easy for people to judge that situation. But until you're in that situation, you don't understand. And that's why I like a lot of the athletes that I deal with. They rock with me because I'm open with them. Like, bro, I I see the path that you're on. And I thank God that he put me on that journey. Because I, I have a 2020 vision <laughs> on the path that you're on, and I can promise you where this is going to end if we don't change things. Right. Uh-huh. And so when they feel that, they're like, all right, bro, I want to listen. So I'm thankful for that opportunity that I went through what I went through. And I'm also thankful that he prolonged my career to get back on track. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people don't get that chance. They don't. They, God forbid, you know, they yeah. break a ankle. Yeah. Yes. They lose that flex, that dorsiflexion. flexion. that dorsiflexion. Boy, you out of there. <laughs> you out of there. This is a hard and, time. Yes. And so we just want to help people. That's what mm-hmm. it's about. Yeah. I love it. And your story is just so powerful. I mean, so you talked about your father. Yeah. Your father of five. Yeah. Four, Four boys, boys. One girl. One girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tristan, uh, Tristan, Tylan, Tobin, Talia, that's my princess. Come on with and the T's. Yeah. Yeah. We're rolling with that. Yeah. You know, yes. it's Tony the Tycoon with Staff Financial. And then we got all the, you know, all the T's that follow. So yeah, I did that I intentionally. I absolutely love yeah. that. Emphasis so- on intentionally. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So how do you balance, you know, being a father, a family man and still uh, balancing your career? Um, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the wife holds it down at the house while I'm out here doing everything that I need to do. And then it's it's a sacrifice, uh, you know, to be honest. I, I, I can't speak for other entrepreneurs, but there is no balance in my life, right? I, when, when this career gives me the opportunity to enjoy moments, I'm all in on those moments. Mm, I so love like it. if I can, like, if, like for instance, uh, my child is playing in a basketball game. All right, if I go to that basketball game, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in, phone off. We, listen, I'm, I'm clapping. We, we're doing everything we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, now I got them. I'm getting ready to have them waking up with me on Wednesdays at five in the morning. So to work out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I got, it's that time. <laughs> uh, but like, you just have to find the wins that, that, that this career gives you and then take advantage of it. Right. And really, truly be in the moment because this is their second go around of that for my older two, my younger, Mm -hmm. my younger ones. They didn't get to see me when I played. But when I played sports, I had to be all in. Mm. Right. And. I missed a lot Mm -hmm. like I didn't I missed. So so think of this. I had my I had my first son when I was twenty five, right, twenty four, twenty five. So. That's that's my first. That's my child. Right. He has my middle name. Right. He, his middle name is my first name. Like 
That's me. I was not there for his first day of school because I was in training camp. Right. That's a big thing for me. Mm. Like, I'll never get that moment back. And there's a lot of sacrifices and moments like that. But at the same time, because I did this, it put him in, in early learning academies that now have him soaring to where he's getting all A's in all of his classes. Right. So as a, I can only speak from a man's perspective. As a father, we're, we're going to make a lot of sacrifices, if, especially if we're wanting to build or obtain something. You just have to have in the back of your mind that you're doing this for a reason and it's going to get greater later, but it's not easy. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. I'm going to staying on family. Yeah. So you have a wife. Yeah. So how do you balance career, marriage, father? <laughs> and what advice do you have for somebody who's watching who might be in your position? You make, you make, um, you take moments, right? Um, so for me, look on the calendar. Is it coffee dates? Is there an opportunity to go on a date? Right? I mean, now, you know, got the, the young one. So it's more going to be street, You're strapping, yeah, you're yeah, strapping yeah. the baby on. Yeah, we're taking them it, with. It's, it's more going to be brunch type of situations. But you, you pencil those moments in. I think the biggest thing you have to do, and I have to learn this, I, you know, it, it, nobody taught this to me, is you just have to have a real conversation and, and let her know, like, okay, we have two options. I can go work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, clock in nine to five, be home at these particular times, have the weekends off and we can do this for the next 30, 40 years, maybe get a pension, right? Maybe put our kids through school, you know, all of these particular things and then build up their company. Or I can put in late hours, late nights, different speaking engagements, meeting different corporate clients, business owners all throughout the, the, the night and the day. And do that for years, probably don't see a dime for the first three or four years. Right. Say that again. Say that <laughs> yeah. again to this camera probably so that way, because people yeah. out here trying to yeah. quit already. It yeah. takes some time. Yeah. Tell them. Yeah, yeah. Probably not see a dime for the next three to four years. Mm -hmm. You know, you you, you you robbing Peter to pay Paul, all of these different things. But once this thing takes off, we're set forever. Right. And so you got to have that real conversation and you got to be as the man, you have to be real with yourself because they might not agree with it. And that's when I say, I respect your opinion, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go anyway. I'm a lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I look at it like this. I'm pretty sure when uh, Noah was building that boat on dry land and all of them people was talking about him, talking about this idiot, talking about it's going to rain from the sky. It never happened before. All the water came from the dew of the ground. There was no rain that ever took place during that time. Mm -hmm. like, look at this idiot building this large vessel on dry land. I can only imagine his family might have felt some embarrassment. But had he listened to his family and those people, they'd all be dead. Correct. So I've learned <laughs> that. This is the way walking mm -hmm. in it and I'm going to do what God tell me to do. And he got, he going to have to have the rest. And so there's emotions and things that take place in that. Um, I let him handle that. <laughs> I'm going to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of times I think what stops individuals is that you're sitting up here trying to explain a vision that was never given to anybody, but you. That is <laughs> <laughs> Mike drop. Like we had to pause for a second for that. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah, I think that a lot of times what hold individuals back is that you're trying to explain your vision to everybody else and the vision was only given to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
they're, they, it's not that they don't want to see. It's that they can't. Because mm. God didn't open their eyes. It's like, it's like when Elijah was dealing with his servant. And the servant came back and reported like, man, they got all these soldiers over there. He was like, we have more with us than they do with them. Now, Elijah sees all of the angels. The servant looking around like, man, I trust this dude, but he tripping. Like, it ain't nobody but you and me over here. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But then when Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes, then he saw the gambit of angels that was around him. It's the same thing. Even in your marriage. Like, I think that it's hard on both ends. It's hard for the man if he has a if he feels that he has a vision and he's moving in a direction, but he's not seeing the the fruits of the labor yet. Right. Right. And I think it's hard for the woman because she wants to trust him. But women's biggest thing is security. So here's the faith test for the man. The faith test is trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. For the woman is to honor the husband as you would Christ and believe in the vision that was given, because you have to have faith that even though things are not stable right now, that God is working with him. He has to have faith that even though he doesn't see this thing coming into fruition, God has him on this mission and it will happen. Those are the two different battles that are mm. fought. So it's still it's still onus on the woman, just like it's onus on the man. It's just in two different areas. Right. Right. So as long as y'all can come together and understand, like, hey, listen, this is the way babe. we're going to walk in this way. Just trust me. And then we're gonna live the wild life. You're going to live the wild life. Right. And if and if she if she does do that, she's going to be inherently blessed because I can promise you any man that is with a woman that has been with him through his downtimes. When he come up, it's innately in us as, as men. I can't speak to boys. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I'm going to talk about men. It's innately in us to want to reward or help me. And I think that a lot of times our sisters have forgotten, like, if, if you want to get real technical on the scriptures, men was made in the image of God. Women came from the image of men. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. So let me create a help me unto him. Help me what? Help meet the vision that I've placed in that man. So our sisters are, are being tricked and fooled thinking that, hey, this thing is 50-50. No, sis. <laughs> the same way that Christ is under submission to Yah and the angels are under submission to Christ is the same way as, as, a, as the man, he's under, under submission to Yah uh, and to Yeshua. The woman needs to be into submission to man. And if you align yourself with that and don't look at that word as a negative word and don't be fooled by that, you'll, you'll, you'll feel so much at peace. Like all the sisters that I know that move like this, talk to them. Girl, I don't worry about nothing. Mm. I'm with my children. He take care of everything. I go what I want. I drive what I want. I eat when I want. And I don't worry about nothing. Yeah. And he's operating 100% within the gift that he has because you're taking care of home. I'm going to flip it one more time and then we ain't going. I, yeah. I don't want. I know you probably got some meetings. Yeah, so that You got to get to <laughs> one so more time. Good, yeah. So now. Yeah. Talk to some of the brothers who might be, you know, listening as well, because you made amazing points. Yeah. So you you noted you said this is for men, you know, oh, yeah, not no boys. Doubt. So uh, talk to us on that regard. The hardest thing you'll ever the hardest thing you'll ever do, especially if you never had like real male guidance, is to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And the biggest component of self work is a hundred percent responsibility as a man, like good or bad. Right. If like, for instance, if you deal with relationships, if there's a divorce that takes place, don't blame nobody but yourself. I don't care what she did. Mm. Don't matter, because 
at the end of the day, God is about God is a God of accountability. Right. Right. So he'll look at it. Remember. So where do I get that from? Remember in the garden mm-hmm. uh, uh, of Eden, when sin was introduced because of idolatry, right? People doing going against God and, and, and taking on a different thought process than what God gave, right? Mm-hmm. I said, don't. Satan says, does. A woman takes it, gives it to the husband, yada, yada. Y'all know the story. Who did God, who did God call for when he touched down? Adam. I don't remember <laughs> him saying, Eve, where art thou? Now, Eve initiated it, right? But he didn't say, Eve, where art thou? Why? Because, Adam, I gave you the understanding. I told you to be the leader. I don't care what she do. Mm. This happened because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So because Mm. you listened to your wife, now this is what's going to take place, right? So as men, you got to take 100% accountability. And unfortunately, even when you look in that story, that's why a lot of times I say a, a lot of brothers operate in that Adam spirit. Is because when you can you read down in the book of Genesis, the first thing Adam do is say, well, the woman you gave to me. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Like it's a thing. He put Eve on blast yes. like that. And yeah. he was really out here just yeah. bamboozled. Yeah. And so, and so, but like if you look at I'm the- gonna forgive Eve now. Cause I had I had I had a little bit, you know, a little bit of I, when I got to heaven, I was gonna talk to Eve yeah. for a little bit. Well, I was gonna be sure. so was the apple good? Did it taste juicy? Was it good? I was going to do it, but now, see, I forgive. Yeah. See, now you've helped me in my heart. Yeah, no doubt. No, no, I'm still going to talk to him be like, sis, like, I need to understand. Like, I get, We're going to get on Adam. I just need to understand. But anyways, like, real talk. Like, but when you look at that story, what I get from it is, okay, this happened in Adam's home, in his household. God didn't go after the woman. He came after the man because you're the sheep of my flock. I gave the under before she before she ever existed. It was you and I. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what she did, you separated the covenant between you and I. Mm. And I need you to acknowledge that. And he never acknowledged that. So for me in my life, regardless, good or bad, right, wrong or indifferent, I'll stand up and be like, yeah, I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if y'all got to edit that out, but... No, uh, for lack of better terms. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Like, sometimes you got to just be real, right? Regardless if it's your... If you believe that it's your fault or not, take the accountability because what happens is, is now you can grow from it. Mm-hmm. And so when you get into other, other situations that have similarities to that one, you'll know how to handle it. But if you never take that responsibility as a man, then you got to think about this. It's not only affecting you, but I, if you have children, what do you think they're going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. So now you're, you're you're creating a bunch of people that don't take responsibility. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Wow. So I want to go more in depth, but we can't because then February 17th. Yeah, look, yeah, So yeah. we gonna save a lot of I'm this for February 17th. <laughs> I am just so excited yeah. um, that you'll be on the stage. And guys, look, if you have not gotten your ticket yet for the Wildlife and Business Conference, it's February 17th, 12 to 7 p.m. LiveTheWildlife.com. If you loved like I did this interview, this podcast episode with Tony right below in the comments, three takeaways that you got from it. Please tune in with us on February 17th and also tune in to Stat Financial and all his information will also be in the bio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you soon. Bye.